All aboard the gravy train! Are you riding your financial planner or broker's gravy train? Your financial prospectus outlines how brokers are allowed to charge you hidden fees. Next stop, hidden fees! Want to take back control of your retirement income? Just get off at the next stop. And tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being part of the show. I'm Eric Halaby. Glad you're here. Total Financial Hour. This is the Total Financial Solutions TFS Financial Insurance Services. I guess it's to help you get out of debt, manage money. I don't know if that's the right move anymore. I'm going to give you some answers here as we move forward. I think you need to understand what's happening, uh, how difficult it is for young people, uh, the amount of folks that are getting into credit card debt. Uh, the amount of people that are making uh, bad decisions financially, and then some that have to make these decisions. In other words, they you, you know it's wrong, you know it's bad to charge on the card with a zero expectation of paying it off. Right? I don't mind if you use a card. In fact, I encourage it if you're going to do it to use points. Now, here's the drawback. Right. If you're going to use it to use points, to, to gain points or miles or whatever it is, then you're going to gain uh, something for it, right? I'm hopeful you're going to take a trip or donate it. I mean, you could do all sorts of things with it. But realize this. If you get to a point where you just keep using a credit card or a debit card all the time, do you understand when you use a credit card, the banking system pulls money out of circulation? I'll give you a good example. If I go get my haircut and I give them a $100 bill, uh, and I receive change, that $100 bill exists, I have the change. I can now take that same money, go to, go to a liquor store, buy a, a, a drink, a soda pop, right? And then I go to get some hamburgers, and, and then I go and, and uh, go to the golf store. And as I keep going around in the circle, I'm spending money. They now have the same 100% of the cash minus the sales tax. They pull it out of circulation, the sales tax, send it to the state. Not everything has sales tax. But many things do. So that dollar, that $100, has a circulation with it. It keeps moving in a circle. People are going to restaurants, they're going to dry cleaners, and you're spending the money. Well, when you use a credit card, the merchant does not receive a $100 bill. He just doesn't. He receives about $97. He has to either charge a greater amount of money in order to still net the same profit, 
or he knows that he's going to make less money and it's just a convenience thing because many people shop today without cash. So they go in with their their credit card. They swipe it. Three percent plus I'm being kind, but about three percent of those dollars when you add all the fees are taken out. Given to the bank. Now there's only ninety seven dollars. Now, let's say that liquor store owner goes and gets uh, uh, lunch. But now he only has $97 to spend. Do you realize when you're withdrawing 3% out of the system, it only takes about 30 or 40 transactions, maybe less, and the money's gone. In other words, the bank took all of the money. You never had to make a payment. There was no interest fee. The bank literally took the money out of the system. And when I say the bank, I'm I'm broadening it up to Discover and MasterCard and Visa and American Express. So $100 doesn't circulate. Now, use a $100 bill. Go have a meal at a restaurant. The chef, the, the manager, the owner, they receive $100. Now they have to pay sales tax. But that's the only thing that's pulled out of the system. He can go buy groceries at the grocery store. There's no sales tax. In other words, the $100 retains its value as much as possible. But if you use a credit card and there's sales tax associated with it, the government takes their piece, about 10%, 9% and change, but really it's 10, we'll call it, about 3% to the credit card companies, the banks. That means with every single transaction of money that you make, 13% is pulled out, goes out to the banks, to the state, federal, uh, state, city, county governments. Have you thought about this? How many 13s are in 100? I know, I'm sorry, it's early. I didn't plan on doing a math class. But how many 13s are in 100? Right? Seven? Six? Eight? Because it's 13% of a smaller number. So it could be eight or nine. And that means the transactions are done. The dollar is gone. It's absorbed out of the system. So you have to get back onto the treadmill to create wealth, to have it circulate, because every time you're working, every time wealth is being generated, it is sent off to the banks, credit card companies, city, county, state government. Nobody that creates business, nobody that makes widgets, builds houses or shoes or grocery store manager, nobody. It goes to the bureaucrats. So you have to ask yourself, what is happening with these dollars when they circulate? And exactly where does it go? And why are we putting up with it? Why do you still think that's okay? Yeah, have you thought about that? Bottom of the hour, guys, I'm going to get into ways to have a happy retirement. I'll cover four or five, maybe six of them. Ways that I think you can have a happy retirement. I think that's important. That's at the bottom of the hour. Continuing with the amount of money that is spent in credit card debt that disappears, even if you pay it off, it's absorbed out of the system. Add interest to that. And people think that they aren't indentured servitudes, you know, you know, a people of the system owned by the government. It's, it's a very hard thing to understand. If I had my famous whiteboard, I could show you. Let's talk about a story that came out August 8th, 2023. Okay, just came out this month. 
August 8, 2023. As credit, uh, this is on CNBC. As credit card debt tops $1 trillion for the first time, a huge test for cardholders is coming. Now, think of this for a second. If you're a cardholder and you're using credit card debt because you have to, and there is an overlap of those same people who have student loan debt, right? Those that charge on credit cards because they have to, and those that have student loan debt, right? So so if you're both of those people, if you're one person, but with both of those traits, rather, Let's understand, second quarter of 2023, the Federal Reserve Bank in New York says there's $1.03 trillion in credit card debt that has reached the second quarter. Credit card balances have now notched seven consecutive quarters. That's three months. They count three months as a quarter. Year-over-year growth. This is huge. Seven consecutive quarters of year-over-year growth in the credit card bill. Right? So three months, seven times three, 21 months. Oh, guess how long this clown has been president? Huh? Let me read that to you one more time. Credit card balances have now notched up seven consecutive quarters of year over year growth. A quarter is three months, three times seven quarters, 21 months, 21 months, two years. How long again is the Biden team? Bidenomics. I love Bidenomics, says the laughing cow. Clown. Uh, clown. What, what did I call her? The resumption of student loan payments will be a huge test for many cardholders, says one expert. That's exactly right. You guys, here's the challenge. If you have credit card balances and you are not paying them off because you're struggling, right? I mean, it just the cost of goods and services and and uh, gas and and groceries add in there the fact that wherever you are working there's a tax or a fee that is taken out for who well forget sales tax not everything has sales tax but for the banking system you've heard me talk about on many occasions, that the economy is a pipeline, right? It's Think of it as a pipeline. What you put in the front end of the pipeline, it's pretty long. It takes a while, but it does come out on the back end. In other words, we feel the impact later on down the road. We feel the impact of the, the fiscal policies and, and the decisions that are made and the gas prices and on and on. Right? If you work for a company and they're charging a fee, for a product or a service, they didn't just make it yesterday. In most cases, the product had to be made weeks, if not months ago. They had to put in their order. Right? For, for Christmas, all the Christmas presents, the Christmas shopping, the orders were placed in January and February of this year. So whatever items, whether it be clothing or toys or bicycles, whatever items were made... For Christmas, they were made months ago. So now we're starting to feel the impact at this moment. And it when, when the holidays come, right, of things that were six months ago. Today, the stuff that's happening right now, we're going to start feeling that. When? In about five or six months. Maybe less. 
So looking at this credit card chart, the credit card balances in the United States, well over above, if you will, the pre-pandemic level. All right. Credit card balances were increasing and increasing. 2020 hits. President Trump is still president, by the way. Right until January 2021. Remember, he's sworn in. Pandemic, uh, the, the lockdowns, it, it did skew a lot of things. It did mess up a lot of things. Of course. Hard to get the real data. You don't know what you're looking at. Is this really that or did, did things change? All right, listen. Credit card balances are well above pre-pandemic levels. Ready for this? In 2020, credit card balances dropped $100 billion. They dropped $100 billion. 12% decline. I don't know what kind of business you run or work for or have worked in. But when Visa, MasterCard, uh, Discover, American Express, when they have a 15 14, 15% decline in one year, that's alarm bells, right? Because when, when a fee is charged, when you swipe your card and it's sponsored by Wells Fargo or Bank of America or Chase, they take a piece of that. In other words, they take a piece of the profit. Well, so does Visa, Bank of America, right? But it says B of A Visa. When you swipe it, Bank of America gets paid and so does Visa. So when this is an enormous profit center for the banking institutions and suddenly the debt is declining and in fact has declined it was 850 billion dropped to below 750 that's over 100 billion dollar drop on an 850 billion dollar number for the non-math majors just you know sing mary had a little lamb for just a second because uh, i'm just going to go back into this and explain to you that's right in the neighborhood of a 14% 15% drop okay come back with me mary had a little lamb we're done imagine if you had a 15% pay cut now do you see why the banks everybody panicked in 2020, why do you think there was great chaos against President Trump? Why do you think the banking institutions were unhappy? Right? This is pretty serious. Well, now, does, don't worry, banks. We're good. Don't worry, Wells Fargo. Just got fined. Again. I don't know what's happening with them. They just keep getting into trouble. Uh, I, I don't know if you know, I had a, an account with them at one point, And the problem was very simple. I went in. They wanted to charge me a dollar. <laughs> I'm a principal guy. I, I guess if it's who you are, it kind of bleeds through through your entire personality. And I'm a principal, not quite 100% black and white. The older I get, the more I understand that, that, gray, that there's some gray in life. I, I am pragmatic. I understand. But generally speaking, when I had my bank accounts at Wells Fargo, and then they wanted to charge me for a money order... Uh, a, a dollar or five dollars I don't remember whatever it was whatever it was it was the principal and I said I'm not going to pay that. that that's ridiculous I, look how much money I have with you guys look at I'm a bank I've been here for X amount of years and how long and on and on well we're sorry sir that's our policy what does that mean policy that means nothing it's a, it's a made up word 
Somebody did it. They wrote it down on a piece of paper. I'm going to turn around and write it down on a piece of paper. Write the word policy, Wells Fargo policy on the top. Surprise, it's the new policy. Right? It, it, it's not law. It's not gospel. It's not in the Constitution. Not in the Bible. It's Quran or Torah. What do you mean policy? It's a made-up thing when people say policy. It's usually a coward's term. I really want you to refine and get rid of the coward terms in your life. But So I said, if that's the case, I'm taking all my money out. Are you sure this is... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Give me all my money. So they gave me all my money out of there. I mean, where are you principled? Right? I, I think you have to have principles somewhere. And that means sometimes it's going to be inconvenient. May that be the only drawback to having principles and courage is an inconvenience. I think for most people, I mean, look at Hollywood actors, the, the, the men and women who stand up for their values, stand up for their Christian beliefs. You know, imagine if we had a Hollywood day of at Dodger Stadium. Remember they did the anti-Christian day? What if we had an anti-Muslim day? Why don't we do that? Right, That, that would be... Let's have a, a day at Dodger Stadium where you draw the Koran. Why not? Or, or draw, draw Mohammed, rather. Or, or draw God. Let, let's see that. God and Mohammed. Well, you wouldn't be that disrespectful, would you? Because it's Islam. I think it's an abhorrent to do that to Islam as it is to do it to Christianity. But the Dodger organization didn't have courage. And some of you work there. I know you do. You listen to my show. You tell me. And you work there. As a person, you're probably lovely. Maybe God-fearing even. Maybe a good mom and dad and a dog owner, right? A pet parent. Maybe you're lovely. But you're a coward. You didn't stand up. What if the entire office staff of the Dodgers organization said, if you do this, we are walking out. And some of them might have been Jewish, some of them might have been Muslim, some some of them agnostic, even Satanist. What if you just stood up and you said, you know what? Uh, and this is wrong, guys. If you do this, we are walking out. There will be no, no guts to the Dodger organization. That's it. Oh, you didn't, did you? Imagine the uproar if the Dodger organization did what they did to Islam. Remember how, how we're stepping over backwards to not offend them? Not make them feel bad? Why don't you do that to Christianity too? Uh, listen, I'm okay if that's the way we're going to play. Some of my close friends are Muslims. Uh, I respect the faith. I don't agree with it, not even close. But it doesn't matter. I still will defend their right to pray and believe. And how many of you still attend Dodger games? Right? How many of you still go to Wells Fargo? <laughs> really? How many? You know what Wells Fargo's done? Here, let, let's take a look. Wells Fargo fixing tech issue after customer report, customers report missing deposit transaction. Hold on, since when? Oh, March. Yeah, that's only just, you know, a few months. No big deal. 
customers are not happy. I don't know. Look, there's hundreds of millions of dollars that Wells Fargo. Is this a too big to fail thing? Is that what's happening? When Wells Fargo and Bank of America both opened up their bank accounts to illegal aliens. And they said, oh, you don't you can use your Mexican uh, matricular consular card. And you're not even a legal citizen. You're you're a criminal. Uh, Maybe again, maybe a God fearing person, but you broke the law. And what did they say? It's okay. We don't care. We'll take your money, says B of A and Wells Fargo. And then J.P. Morgan Chase the other day. Did you see what they did to the doctor? Some of you still have Chase Bank. Oh, Arif, where are we going to bank? What are we going to do? We have to, we have to partake in the system. I'll tell you what. They don't pay me. <laughs> This bank doesn't pay me at all. I love them. I love what they stand for. It's called Old Glory Bank. Check them out. Maybe they work for you. Old Glory Bank. Ben Carson. John Rich from Big and Rich. Larry Elder. You guys know him. And the two-term termed out governor. Lady Governor of Oklahoma former governor of Oklahoma. They bought the bank. I want to say it was the first bank of Oklahoma. Don't quote me on that. One of the the oldest banks. I think it's been around 120, 150 years. Right in that area uh, uh, in Oklahoma. Renamed it Old Glory Bank. Very well run. Very well run. Some of you heard me talk about Glorify, which was a bank that was uh, part by Candace Owens. It failed for whatever reason. I don't know. I didn't ask. I had a small account there. They sent me my money back. I got it all. No problem. No concerns whatsoever. I think they weren't allowing them to trade on the SWIFT system, if I'm not under, if I'm not mistaken. Something something happened somewhere. But Old Glorify, uh, sorry, Old Glory Bank, consider that. Maybe it's time. They have business accounts. You want to get away from this anti-American pro-left-wing, pro-international government conspiracy. Listen, I, I don't know if I, we have enough listeners to impact the bottom line for J.P. Morgan Chase, but if, it, if what they are doing, giving you a social credit score, and you are thinking, oh, this really bothers me, swipe my card. Oh, this is horrible, use my visa. I can't believe it, here's my MasterCard. I... Are you, do you really have courage? I don't know. I think you have to have some money. I, I have met with organizations in our in, in the financial world, met with high high end people, top people, presidents of these companies, trillion dollar companies, some of these. And I can tell you what I told them is very simple. I said, listen, if you sell insurance, sell insurance. Nobody cares about your political views. Nobody wants to hear it. And it was in a group meeting, but a relatively small group, maybe 30 people, 40 people. And they were asking our opinion on things. Of course, I stood up. Right. My wife always shakes her head. Anybody have any questions? She's like, "Uh oh, here it comes. (laughs) And I said, look, can you just do what you're supposed to do? Right. Bud Light should just be selling beer. They decided not to. Then now you play that game. Right. If you're Nike. Just sell shoes and shirts. Nobody cares. 
Nobody cares what you believe. Go, go believe what you want to believe. Let your employees put little, little flags in their cubicles. Right? They want to wear shirts on a happy day. Every Friday is wear your pride day. Oh, great. You go do that. I don't care. But you shouldn't be advertising to the 0.25% of Americans that have mental illness of what, what gender they are. Right? I was telling you about a school district in southern Utah. I thought it was amazing. Kind of fun. Where I told you before about these girls that thought they were cats. And so, in fact, they had litter boxes in the girls' locker rooms. There are people right here, L.A. Unified School District, Santa Clarita, Heart District, where young women think that they're cats and they put litter boxes into the girls' bathroom. And you can imagine what they use them for. Well, in, in southern Utah, they had a board meeting. And everybody was, oh, we don't want to offend. We don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't. It's a tough time to be in school anyway. And here's what they said. One of the ladies was very clear. School board lady said, so you're telling me the cats use litter boxes? Uh, yes, ma'am. Great. Well, cats also don't go to school. So if you're a cat, you shouldn't be in school because cats don't attend school. No litter boxes. Next issue. I love it. Oh, people got mad. 15 minutes. And then they went on to something else. They were upset about something else, and then it was all over. Next, let's go find another person we can bully. Let's go find another issue we can blow up and talk about being offended and my feelings hurt. It's not how we're going to live, is it? 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. I'm Eric Hallaby. I have ways to have a happy retirement when we come back. I'm going to give you five or six of them. Your place for news, talk, and information. Arif Halaby on the Total Financial Hour. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Now Arif has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arif Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. I'm Arab Halaby, the total financial hour. Your place for news, talk, and information. The Total Financial Hour, TFS, Financial Insurance Services, 888-99-RETIRE, AM870. I love it that they allow us to do this show. Guys, you know we're coming up in a few months. We'll have, hold on to your horses, 20 years on the radio. And I'm only 28. I, I don't know how the, I don't know how, how it's been, but oh, it feels like I'm 28. Well, some days it feels like I'm 78 with my... Injuries from all my car accidents. But other than that, life is good. Happy to be alive. Happy to have a chance to move, right? For many of you, many of us, you live a life, you get into trouble financially, and uh, happiness seems like it's so far away. But when you retire, you you realize that as a retirement, uh, as a retiree, there isn't a moment in time that happiness occurs. I had a big discussion with somebody recently about happiness. Somebody can make you happy. Somebody can make you sad. I go, you realize nobody can make you happy. Oh, man, did we get in an argument. 
Yes, they can. Somebody can make you happy. Nobody can make you mad. Yes, there are people that can make you mad. I said, no, listen, I can sock you in the arm and that hurts. And you, you, know, you, you can react in an angry way. But if somebody can make you mad or make you happy, do you realize you've given up all the power, all the control to another person? Right. Mother Teresa, Gandhi. And people did all sorts of things to try to make them sad or mad or unhappy or scared. So using those extremes, you realize that it is possible. How much more so in our daily life where we're not being shot at with a water hose or attacked by dogs or beaten by sticks. Right? Happiness is an internal thing. You can be physically... I I can give you physical pain. I can pinch you or, or sock you in the arm. Okay, there's physical pain. But happiness is your responsibility. I, I, maybe you're some. Maybe you're one. I, I know there's enough out there. I was surprised that this person actually didn't uh, didn't agree with me. Uh, you know, I said, "Well, nobody can make you happy." Well, yes, they can. I go, "No, nobody can make you happy or sad." Oh, yeah, oh my gosh. So I thought, if that's the case, if somebody actually thinks that somebody can make you happy or sad, how does that impact your retirement? Can somebody or something? Make you have a happy retirement or a sad retirement or an unsuccessful retirement? Well, look, again, just like somebody can sock you in the arm when it comes to retirement, to use the same uh, metaphor, uh, right? The, the, I can make you have a happier financially speaking, right? I can give you a million dollars. Okay, now you now you have more money or less than a million dollars. Now you have less. Right? There's things like that that can make your retirement a bit more comfortable, But here are some of the things that I have found with 20, oh gosh, what is it now? 28 years in the industry. Gosh, does it seem that long? Yeah, 28 years, coming up on 28 years in in the financial world. All right, here's what it is. It is first, your personal responsibility for your day-to-day actions. You want to have a happy retirement? Take responsibility for your day-to-day actions. Here's what I mean. Create hobbies maybe even a part-time job. You see, when you're young and you have a family, whether you're a single mom, a single dad, uh, you support yourself or you have a whole family of people that, are, that you're supporting. A, part, a, a job that you have has to provide income. You see, the mistake people make, in my experience, is that you think you're supposed to like your job. You're supposed to be happy at your job. That is zero requirement. The number one requirement Wait for it. Stay with me. The job has to pay you enough money to live. That's it. You can work at a job that pays you enough money to live and choose to be happy or work at a job that doesn't pay you enough to live and think that you're supposed to be happy and and choose to be happy. You can do that, right? I could be happy as a triple-A baseball player making $25,000 a year. It doesn't pay for my family. My kids are homeless. They're all on food stamps. Right, wick, snap, sniffs, chip, whatever they're doing these days. I, I, I can do all of that, but man, am I happy? I'm playing, following my dream, Triple A baseball, minor league baseball, traveling the world in a bus, sleeping two to a room with another smelly dude. Got it. This is great. Wow, living the dream. Uh, excuse me, sir. Yeah, you, you have three children and a wife, and that's your family. So did you want daycare to raise your children or your wife? I get it. 
but you gave up on the dream the day you said, let's have a baby, right? Or, or the day you said, you, you can be my wife and I will take care of you, or I will be your husband, right? There's, there's a role here. The job when you have a family is to provide money, not happiness. You decide the happiness. So when you retire and it's no longer about a job providing money, why? Because you came to CTFS Financial, us, me, Arif Halaby, and we helped give you reliable retirement income. Your Social Security, your pension, your investments, whatever you might have, gives a, a reasonable stream of income. And you might say, listen, my day-to-day actions are not any longer required to create an income stream because my money is making money. Well, now you can work a part-time job that you like to do. Some of you have heard me say, I had a client who uh, was a widow. She had $3 million with us. A lot of money. Heck of a lot of money. She was in her 60s. She looked like she was in her 50s. She was a younger, uh, as far as active, very active young uh, woman. At least in appearance young, right? And she worked at a big box store, greeting, grabbing the shopping carts, moving things around. Hello, welcome, welcome. How many people walk through there using their credit card that they had no intention of paying off by the end of the month and looked at that poor lady and felt sorry for her? Oh, look at her. She has to work greeting people and collecting shopping carts. And yet secretly... She was getting in trouble by management because at the time they didn't require direct deposit of your bank account, of, of your paycheck rather, to your bank account. And she had all these paychecks packed up. And she said, look, I got in trouble because they pulled me in and I thought I was going to get fired. I didn't know what I did. And the manager said, listen, we have all these back paychecks for you. And accounting is getting mad with us uh, at us because you are not cashing these checks. She said, oh, I forgot. I keep forgetting. I don't know about you, but when I was young and working, I would I would drive on a day off to go get my paycheck before direct deposit. Right. I needed it. I had a family had it, bills. Didn't matter if I had a day off. I, I drove in, got my paycheck and, and uh, went home. So it's not a nice place to be, right? So your personal responsibility for your day-to-day actions could be hobbies. It could be a part-time job. It is not your partner's responsibility to occupy your time, at least not 100%, and it is not their job to entertain you. Personal responsibility, you begin to have a happy retirement. Second, have personal responsibility for your attitude. Be grateful. You made it to retirement. You know how many people didn't? One of my best friends who was in the police department retired early back then. You could retire at 45 years old. He did. And he got cancer and died within a couple of years of his diagnosis. And in his last few months of life, I said, so how's it going, Rich? And he said, you know, Eric, my only dream was to collect my first Social Security check. He had been working off duty, had plenty of Social Security credits. It was his time. And he passed at age 59. Kind of be grateful that you made it to retirement. Many people didn't. And be grateful for what you have. Even if it isn't enough. Even if retirement, financially speaking, in order to, to work, in order to happen, really is, means you will always and forever have a part-time job. For some people, that is part of their retirement plan. 
working part-time, doing something part-time, not just because you want to, to occupy your time, but because you have to. Sometimes that's the, that's the way it is, isn't it? Next, I think a happy retirement is to make sure you understand that when I say nobody can make you happy and nobody can make you sad, nobody can control your legacy but you. Now, presidents are very big on this. They say, listen, I'm just going to do what I think is right, and my legacy will take care of itself. The writers, the, the biographers, the academics, the university study program, all of these people have been looking at me and my administration and my policies and the things that we do and don't do. And I've heard many interviews with presidents, President Clinton, Bush second. I've heard it even President Obama. I don't I don't know if I've heard President Trump say this, but. And when I watch the presidents and they say things, look, their legacy is written by other people. Well, of course it is. They're the president of the most powerful country in the history of mankind. And you have thousands, tens, probably hundreds of thousands of employees and ultimately maybe even millions of employees when they added Homeland Security. What a mess that was for another show. And when you think about this, of course, their policies and procedures have an impact. But what about you? What about you? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? What do you expect people to say about you? Right? Grab a pen and paper if you don't already. I'm going to get to another one here in a minute, but I want you to, to, to write down my three questions. And these are my three questions of what I think you and maybe your partner, your spouse, need to answer between the two of you. All right, grab your pen and paper. You got it handy? Or your phone, I guess, your tablet, whatever it might be. Number one, answer this question separately. Both of you do it separately. All three of these questions, we're going to come back and we're going to study them. We'll exchange them later and see how it goes, all right? Since you have that pad and paper out, let me give you my phone number again. 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. Okay, question number one. What would you do with a million dollars? Now, if you have a million dollars, I want you to make it 10 million. If you're close to 10 million, I want you to put down... 50 million. I need it to be a big number that is out of reach enough for you to think about it. Right? I had a friend recently. He said, Eric, I didn't feel I didn't feel comfortable flying around in private jets until I had at least $50 million. Oh, wow, okay. I remember going to his house and he had shampoo in his in his shower and and uh, uh soap right in his bathroom. I went and washed my hand. I look up, I'm like, oh, this is from the from the hotel. It's from the local hotel, a famous chain hotel. That That's the kind of, you stole the soap from the hotel? Here he was worth millions, tens of millions of dollars. So whatever number is comfortable to you, okay, what would you do with a million dollars or 10 million or 50 million? All right. Second, describe your perfect day. Describe your perfect day. Whatever it is. 
You don't, you're not going to need a, am I working still? Am I not working still? Well, it depends. Is it a perfect day for you working? If it is, then you go to work. If it isn't, then you don't put it down. I wake up at this time. I do this. I do that. Whether you have breakfast or lunch or with whom. What do you do for dinner? Describe your perfect day. Okay, those two are, those are two questions that tell me about your checkbook and your date book. What matters to you about your money? What matters to you about your time? Okay, number three. How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? All right, when I say ta- taking responsibility for your legacy, here's where it comes. This is where that rubber meets the road. If you don't like what you are known for, or you've made big mistakes in the past, it's not too late to change. All right, maybe you've had an affair. Maybe you're a bad father. Maybe you're a bad mother. Right? Maybe you're a lady. I'm seeing this a lot lately. Who have walked away from their families when they were younger. Right? Their kids were young. They went off with their boyfriend. And that lasted six months, but they had walked out on their family and the the husband said, you're not coming back. And there's been a strained relationship with the kids ever since. I've heard that, I don't don't know, close to 10 times now in in the last couple of uh, of years. Time to make a change. You can correct things. You can fix things. Maybe not 100%. Some wounds will never heal. They leave scars, right? Taylor Swift said so. Must be true. (laughs) So what are, you, what are you known for currently? And if you don't like it, change it. All right. So my third question, how would you like to be remembered? That's my legacy question. What direction? Where are we going? How you want to be remembered is far left over here. Yep, north. Got it. Then let's take a look at your actions. Why are we going east? You said you want to be remembered this way, but you're heading in that direction. Not even close. So either... You change your values or you change your actions. You see how there's uh, kind of a happiness component to that? And in retirement, what better time to perfect that particular, oh, I guess trait, right? Or to perfect that perfect, uh, that, that particular character flaw, Because you have a lot more time, right? How do you want to be remembered? These things matter to me because when you come into my office and you sit down and I take a look at your financial life, I take a look at where you're going, take a look at some of the financial mistakes. Everybody makes them, right? The line starts behind me. We all have made them. You take a look at the decisions that we've made, some great ones, many by accident, right? I go, wow, this is awesome. Great idea. When did you do this? Oh, I don't know. Well, well, why did you do it? I don't know. I just did it. I don't even know if it was a thing. I just, I don't even know. Right? Sometimes those those are some of the best decisions. Right? You know how close I was to buying a house in Pacific Palisades for $200,000? Easy. Like two two ninety or two two fifty, whatever it was, in 1991. It was just out of my reach. I was still a policeman at the time. I was in the police department at that area. Just couldn't do it. Today, it's probably $2 million. Somebody bought it for that price. And what a great decision. Now, oh, Arif, I'm very deliberate about my financial decisions. Well, great. Then 
Maybe you can teach people then. Most of us are not. Right? Unless you learn from a very deliberate family and many days, nights a week during the formative years of your life, you sat down at the dining room table and you had conversations about money. Most of you didn't. Right? If you grew up in the 60s or 70s or the 80s or 90s and you sat around the dining room table, there were many, many families and periods of time where you could talk about sex at the dinner table. But heaven forbid you talk about money. Right? How many times have you... Hey, little Susie walks up with her little blonde ponytails, four and a half years old. Hi, Mr. Jones. That's a beautiful car. Uh, how much does it cost? Oh, uh, sorry. Excuse me, sir. Susie, that's so rude, sweetie. We don't say that. We don't ask about money. That's, that's not nice. That's not fair. That's not what we say. That's not polite. Right? But people could talk about all sorts of other things, financially speaking. Try to bring up money. Some of you grew up where you bring up money at the dinner table, and they say, hey, we don't talk about money at the table. That's dirty. We don't talk about money. You go, oh, why? How ingrained is that in you that money equals bad, equals dirty, equals don't talk about? Right? It's a necessary evil. So how? why would you even want to learn how to be a great money manager when at your dining room table through most of your life, you weren't allowed to talk about it? Questions. Dad, how much money do you make? Oh, we don't ask that. My wife's family was a lot similar to that than mine. I remember. I asked her one day. I go, oh, I remember being young. We, I, we were married or, or, or dating or engaged. I mean, it was into our relationship by, by a year or two. And I ask, I go, oh, well, gosh, how much? your dad retired at such a young age. How much money does he make? Or what did he make her? I, I have no idea. She looked at me like I asked some personal sexual question about her parents. I, I, don't, know. I don't know. She's like, I have no clue. We don't talk about that. We never talked about that at the dinner table. I said, oh, wow. We did. <laughs> we grew up at a time and maybe surprised why I'm in this industry. It was so normal. It was common. To find out, oh, how much was that truck? How much was that car? That's a nice house. What do you pay for it? Right? Different world, different families, different values. So if you were somebody who spent a lifetime ignoring how money works, and you want to impart that because you you imparted the wrong part to your children, and you you are sad about it, Right? You're like, man, I really didn't teach my kids anything about money. I was told, so I taught them, and so now they're making big mistakes. Maybe this is the time you fix that part of your legacy, isn't it? Of course, you got to do it subtly. You have to learn how to have respect. It's a privilege for us to have your money in a safe place away from the market risk. It's a privilege for us as a firm, for me, to sit down with you and look at the big picture, understand all these other components, the emotional part, and not just be one plus one is two. Any financial clown can do that. right? I mean, it's not difficult. Everybody's got a calculator. Everybody has a program on their laptop. What's the difference between them and me and her and him? Well, does somebody actually have walked in your shoes? Does somebody actually understand it? And you better make sure that your financial advisor, professional insurance advisor, whoever it is in your life that's giving you financial advice, that professional, 
they better have their stuff together, too, just a little bit. Right. If they're still trying to figure out their own personal life, mm, I'm good. You go over there. You figure that out. Don't practice on my money. So we have kind of gone through and been there and done that. All right. Another way that I want you to have a happy retirement. Each month that you get a pension, you receive a Social Security check, an annuity payout, whatever it is, withdrawals from your required minimum distributions. You still have to save money. This isn't a race, how quickly you can spend your money. Your money for retirement, your paycheck, your income, still needs to have a savings component. And I'm okay with it still being 10, 15%. You should be tithing that much anyway. So now you're going to live on about 70 or 80%. And you should be saving money every single month in a savings account. Right As you've given money, donated money, whatever your particular heart or feelings are, are, are about gifting or helping charities or, or your church or charity, whatever it might be, do that, save, and then spend the rest. Then when it comes to things like trips, one-time expenses like Christmas or Hanukkah or property taxes, you have the money set aside. Be careful to avoid paying taxes on money you're not going to spend, right? That's important. I don't want you just paying, taking it from the left pocket and putting it in the right pocket just to say, see, I saved it. We can count some of your retirement accounts as money that's allocated towards those one-time expenses. We just have to be prepared for that. That's part of the plan. Okay, so as you're doing this, think about how do I have a happy retirement? Because the happiness part of you, I mean, listen to Dennis Prager, the happiness hour. You can go back and pull those. I think there's a subscription service that has all of the happiness hours for decades. I don't know, hundreds of them probably. And you can pull them and listen to them. Some will be interesting. Some you can fast forward, of course. But what if you had an opportunity to change your legacy? That to me is one of the most important things. Right, Your kids, your grandkids. Your grandkids didn't know you when you were a dumb 21-year-old. Your grandkids didn't know you when you were making mistakes when you were 30. They weren't there when you made a mistake with the relationship with their other grandparent, if you're divorced. They're only going to have an experience with you. Don't bring that baggage along to the ride. Let that grandparent relationship be new and fresh. Kind of a restart, isn't it? Hey, thanks for listening to the show. I'm Eric Hallaby. Stay with me after the break. Your emails. We have some fun ones for you. Wait till you hear them. 888 retire 888-997-3847. Stay with me after the break. Your emails. You can email me at arif at tfswealth.com. That's arif at tfswealth.com. We'll be right back. Financial power. Total financial power. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arif Hallaby. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arif Hallaby, the total financial hour. 
your place for news, talk, and information. This is our second hour of the Total Financial Hour. <laughs> Hours. Send me an email. Arif at TFSWealth.com. What's a better name to encompass the show? I don't know. The Total Financial Hour. I love it because what it does is it talks about your financial life. And the second hour I've dedicated to uh, interviews and emails. We have some, actually some pretty good emails uh, today, but also some great interviews coming up. I think you're going to be surprised as you start to hear. Uh, we'll, we'll send some promo videos out or some promo uh, commercials out talking about what's coming up. I think you need to know this because here's a big part of your financial life. Ready for this? You guys are going to make decisions today like you made decisions 10 years ago. Those decisions affect you today. Well, the decisions you make today are going to affect you 10 years from now. And it's not very profound. I mean, you figured it out. But you realize that today you should have better information, more information, and certainly more accurate information about the financial needs that you're going to have, the risk you're willing to accept, right? We've now gone through another 20, 30% decline in the market. Is this not a surprise that we're going to have a collapse uh, in some of the system, a recession, some would say? Right, We had it in 2008, even 2015. Some of you don't remember, but 2015 was a yucky time. It was short. Right, It was short for a lot of reasons, because I think President Obama was very practical. He's a pragmatic man, just like Bill Clinton was. Their legacy is much more important than their ideology. Now, I would say President Obama is less like Bill Clinton in that area, meaning Bill Clinton is just a survivalist. He'll believe anything you want, say anything you want. Probably so will President Obama. But in the end, President Obama will still do things down the progressive world. Uh, President Clinton, you know, he passed welfare reform and criminal justice reform and all that. Because he didn't want to be known as a one-term president. So these are very important things you understand because I still have some money on the table. I told you earlier I'm not a betting man. Right? (laughs) But... I still have a $100 bill on the table as a bet, if I were a betting man, that says uh, Joe Biden is not president Labor Day 2023. I think he's not going to be in. I think the writing on the wall, right, the conviction, the deal he would cut with the U.S. Congress to step down before they expose his son as the drug addicted, treasonous man he is. I think he will say that it's for medical reasons or personal time with my health and on and on and on. My doctors, not me. It's not me. No, no. I would stay president for 30 years if I could. But my doctors, and you know me, folks, I trust the science. So I think it's going to be something like that. But who knows? That means Kamala Harris, some of you cringe. She could be our next president. Unless he replaces her, right? Spiro Agnew. Does that sound familiar? Gerald Ford, and then poof, Ford was president. Man never elected by the people. Certainly not the people of the United States, the people of his district. Because he was the uh, Speaker of the House. So President Ford, Speaker of the House, then became president. So I think that's the same thing you're going to get. He didn't want to be president. He was very reluctant, in fact. But I I think that's the same thing you're going to get in the United States. Not that uh, Speaker McCarthy will be president, but I mean... 
there is a push to make some adjustments before Kamala Harris could actually become president. I don't know what it is. The Biden people hate the uh, Harris people. They just do. Harris people hate the Harris people. (laughs) They do. So I don't know what's going to happen. I think what's going to take place overall is that a year from now, President Biden is not in office. I think by Labor Day. I think there'll be some pushing and pulling through the summer, and by the end, uh, he will step down. So that's just my thought. Again, if I was a betting man, I'd have $100 on the table. But I think a lot of you have to realize this. Although politics, national state politics, maybe even local politics, could be an avocation for you. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe you enjoy following the political world. I think what you also have to do is look at at the practical approach to you and your money. And in the end, whatever happens to the state of California, the city of Los Angeles, the county of Los Angeles, the county of Ventura, Orange County, your county, your city, I think you have to look at the person sitting next to you or in the car with you and certainly in your house, turn, turn and look at them and realize they are the most important person in your life. Not the governor, not the president, not Mr. Trump, nobody. You and your spouse, your family, your friends. Okay, because if you understand that, then you have a chance to build and protect and save the state, the country. But if you get misguided, if you miss the mark, and uh, look, it's very similar to reverends, ministers, Right, They preach so much the word of God that they forget the honoring of their spouse and the paying attention, if you will, to their children and their spouse. They forget the idea that they have to be there as a person and a, and a husband and a father, not just a minister. Right? You've heard it. You've seen it. Some of you have been, uh, you know, children of ministers, And you've looked and you said, my dad was a pastor, but he wasn't really a dad. He was our pastor. He was busy all the time dealing with everybody else's problems, had no time for my problems. Some of you know that story. I don't want you to be the same way with the nation or politics or, or this, the, the state, right? So let me share something with you. This is an email pretty important email from Joe and Tammy. I think you have to ask yourself, does this sound like you? Right? Does this sound like you? I don't know. Maybe so. This is Joe and Tammy. Dear Eric, my wife and I are completely different when it comes to money. She spends money every single day on things we don't need. We have everything we need in our life. Our home is paid off and we, we pay cash for our cars. I'm always being asked for money from her because I've had to take her name off the savings and checking accounts that we shared for years. We have retirement accounts and Social Security income, and that pays us about $8,000 a month. Our total monthly expenses are no more than about $5,000. Do you have any way to manage this area in our life? in case I were to pass away first? Do you know how I can cancel 
any of her credit cards, how I can make sure that she doesn't run out of money if I were to die first. I need to make sure she has enough to care for herself, financially speaking, long after I go. My two daughters are also concerned for her as she sometimes asks them for money. Okay. Interesting email, guys. And you understand that that this is Joe talking about Tammy. You realize it can be just the other way around, right? There's men and there's women that spend money more than the other spouse. Most of the time, maybe it's 75, 90, 90%. I don't know the answer. It's certainly a strong majority of the time that men and women are different with money. Sometimes they're the same. They're both spenders. That means they've filed bankruptcy twice before they're 40. Or they're both savers, which means... They have the same house, the same old carpet, the same old furniture, and they've never remodeled, right? But they have a million dollars in the bank. That happens. If they're both savers, they're afraid to spend. It always comes from your childhood. I want to be clear on that. I'm going to address that in a minute. There's reasons for it. And it isn't that one is right and wrong. So many times you're going to try to frame things as right and wrong. I want you to pause for a minute. Don't put a value judgment on this just yet because you don't know the history. You don't know their backgrounds. Nor do I, of course. It's a small enough, uh, short enough email. But let's talk about this. Generally speaking, more often than not, 57, well, more 75, 85% of the time, this is what I encounter in my office. It's this. Women will spend $20, $30, $10, $40, $75, $10 every day. Something. Somewhere. Men will do nothing, 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 new boat. Nothing, 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 new golf clubs. Nothing, 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 new motorcycle. Right? You get it? And then at the end of the year, they both point to each other and say, but you're the one spending all the money. And he'll look at her and she'll look at him. And in reality, if you do the math, it's pretty close to the same amount of overall dollars. But they spend it differently. She will spend a little bit every day and wonder why that's a problem. He will spend nothing and then the one day he, quote, I deserve, I say, you know who I am, I work hard, you don't understand it, right? He'll couch a bad financial decision in, I'm a victim, I'm a martyr, right? We do that as men. We work, all I do is work and sacrifice for you kids and you, and you family and everybody. We do that. So I do want you to know this. If you're going to, to be somebody that kind of runs down that right, whichever one you are, you might be one or the other, that you have to ask yourself, can I back that off a little bit? All right? Since Joe and Tammy both spend money on things because they just do, right? Each of you are going to think that the money is spent on something that's important. But here's the thing that catches me the most. Joe says, my two daughters are also concerned for her as she sometimes asks them for money. All right. So that's important because that means it's probably a problem that goes on beyond a marriage issue, right? Where both of us just have different ways of spending the money that we make. So here's what I want you to do. Consider a revocable living trust. A revocable living trust. Simple enough. You might already have one. A revocable living trust allows you to have a living trust where you would put your assets 
right? When you pass away, it leaves you as a person and goes into the, to the trust. And inside of that trust, you can have something called a special needs provision. Now, we often reserve, reverse, uh, reserve this for those that have special needs, like a disabled child or a parent or a partner that has had some trauma, uh, you know, brain trauma or some other things that can't necessarily care for themselves, financially speaking, or maybe even otherwise. And inside of the special needs trust, it appoints somebody outside of the person that's the beneficiary of the trust. And that person that's appointed outside pays for the housing costs, the basically food, shelter, clothing, electricity, insurance, internet, cell phone, pays for the daily expenses, monthly expenses, but is a person that is, in my opinion, should not be related. It should not be somebody that can be emotionally manipulated because we can do that, right? You can emotionally manipulate your sister, your brother, your, your cousin, your daughter, your son, and people do. So I want you to make it an attorney or a friend, somebody who couldn't care less if, if Tammy likes him or not, because <laughs> in the end, she's going to get mad, right? She'll do the high ask, and then there'll be the beg. It's, it's the sequence of events. It's right. It's called the cycle of request from a special needs person or an, or an addict. It's the same story. The cycle of request goes, hi, can I have money? I need this. I've already given you money. I already gave you that. Listen, no, you don't understand. There's a, so, so you have the request, you have the negotiation, but you don't understand I need it because I have to and I need it. And then the next thing that takes place is the begging. Come on, please. You don't understand. I really need it. I have to have it. And then the final one or at least the final one that's, that can have any sense of working, is causing uh, is calling you names, being angry. Well, you're nothing but a, and you're a son of a gun, and why don't you, and you, you're lousy, and, and calling you names and getting personal. And then the final that comes back around, believe it or not, is the apology. I'm sorry, last week I got so upset with you. I, I didn't mean to. I'm, I'm just, you know, frustrated. I, you know, okay, great, no problem. I accept your apology. And then the next time, guess what it is again? It's the ask. Right? So that cycle of ask, negotiate, beg, anger, and then apology. Right? And then it starts all over again. So I like the idea of having a special needs trust put in place where somebody like an attorney... Somebody else can take the heat, who doesn't take it personal, who knows she's going to get mad at them. Because the truth is, she probably has something wrong somewhere. I don't mean she's not a great mom or a great wife. I don't mean she's not a good person. I didn't mean any of that. Good believer, if she's a, if she's a Christian woman, I don't mean any of that. I just mean she has something wrong somewhere. And by the way, this person who's going to manage this, they're going to, they're going to pay... They're going to charge a fee. You're going to have to pay a fee for this. And it's really the trust that will pay a monthly fee or an annual fee, whatever they, however you figure it out. But because she has something wrong somewhere, you might also build into there some sort of counseling that's required. Maybe before or after or during. Maybe the person 
if it's an attorney whose job it is is to distribute the funds, says, listen, I need a report from your therapist that you went there three times this week or once this week, whatever your whatever your requirement is. So that I don't have to deal with this cycle of a request. So that's important for you to figure this out. But, Joe, I think there's a big part of this that really I, I think you should be commended for. Right? To, to be able to pull money out of your spouse's control yet still maintain a marriage which there, in which there's love and respect is very difficult. I pray that you continue to do that and you have that level of respect with each other. Because Social Security and retirement accounts is $8,000 a month. That's a nice living. That's a nice chunk of money. That's $96,000 a year, right? Your expenses are 60000 a year. You'll have some taxes in there. And we're, by the way, we're going to lose the lower of the two Social Security checks when one of you passes away. So if you do pass away, there'll be a, a less money going into the trust on a monthly basis. But there still is a chunk of money that you have in your savings account. There still is a lot of money that's in your retirement accounts. So I want your daughters to be daughters. So please make sure that your daughters are not part of the trust decision-making process so they can be just as mad at least on the surface of that attorney or that trustee they can be mad and oh yeah that guy's a jerk oh yeah commiserate with her yes yes let's go shopping mom let's go get ice cream right let's go browse the mall you could do things like that they can give mom five bucks whatever you can go for dinner go for lunch you don't have to go and spend money that she doesn't that you don't have hey mom when you when you get the money from your you when you get your monthly allowance let me know and we'll go to the mall together right that would be a blast this way the daughters are making the decision to spend whatever mom gets not how much mom receives okay so that's a big part of it By doing it that way, the living trust, the revocable living trust will give you a a, a framework, but that special needs provision, that special needs trust and or an irrevocable trust could be a place to, to park the assets. And a good attorney will break this down to you. Don't go to a financial professional, financial advisor who also does living trusts. I think... There's probably some good ones out there, I'm assuming. But I don't want you to go to a plumber and ask him to fix your transmission because he's a great plumber. Right? No, no, no. I want plumber to be plumber, transmission, transmission. Right? Financial advisor, financial advisor, and attorney, attorney. Simple enough. So many of you go to CPAs, tax professionals, and say, oh, and by the way, be my retirement expert. Oh, oh, you're amazing at the tax law, which, by the way, there's thousands of changes every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, can you also make sure that you're following the rules for the hundreds, if not thousands of other changes in the financial advisory world, in the stock market world, in the annuity world, in the insurance world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're an expert as a CPA, in my opinion, that is not somebody I would trust with my retirement accounts because they're untrustworthy. No, because they probably are trustworthy if you trust them as your CPA because they lack the actual knowledge. 
And now, look, truth be told, they don't want to be a financial advisor. They usually want to be a CPA, because if they want to be a financial advisor, they should quit being a CPA. And if you want to be a CPA, quit being a financial advisor. So it's the same thing. I don't want your cousin Louie, who's a great HVAC you know, air conditioning repair person. He's great. But make sure he's also the trustee to, to make sure the money get, gets distributed properly. No, no, no. Louie does air conditioning. Trustee does trustee stuff. That's a big uh, step for you. I, I don't know. You have to talk to the attorney of whether or not it makes sense to do this without your wife's permission. I don't know if you have a conservatorship. Uh, you have to ask and see. You know how that breaks down. That's going to be an interesting conversation. Maybe you can catch your wife at the right time and say, look, this is better for you. This gives you the ability to have freedom and never be homeless. Homeless, right? Because I'm not sure what percentage, but it's got to be close to 90 or more of homeless people have some sort of mental illness. Right? So they were somebody's little baby once. Remember? Yeah, you, you all have little kids. Little baby, cute, innocent. You laughed when they did little things. You cheered when they walked. And now they're homeless people on the street. So uh, they went from zero to 60. How, how? I'm not sure. So, Joe, this is how I want you to protect yourself so that your wife doesn't end up on the street. All right? You put a special needs trust together. And make sure the relationship with your daughter stays, stays pure by not having them be her mom. Instead, have them be their daughter, her daughter, right? So that they can look up to mom, they can have the respect, honor, all of those things. All right, hey, I want to give you a couple other things, guys. Uh, We have a movie coming up. It's called The Baby Boomer Dilemma. You've heard me talk about it in the past. If you want to get on the list for that movie, it is an incredible movie. You have to see this movie. It's called The Baby Boomer Dilemma. And we're going to be playing it both in Glendale and in the Santa Clarita Valley, the northern L.A. uh, County area, Santa Clarita, uh, basically Valencia, if you think about it. And for those of you that are, you know, over the hill, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, what is that, like Bakersfield? No, it's Six Flags. It's Six Flags Magic Mountain. It's just over the hill, 20 minutes from you. All right, so we have that movie coming up. It's called The Baby Boomer Dilemma. Give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. We'll put your name on the list when the uh, date is finalized. You'll be one of the first to know. 888-99-RETIRE. If you have a question, you want to send me an email, you can do so at arif, A-R-I-F, at T-F-S, stands for Total Financial Solutions. So T-F-S, Wealth. Dot com. Uh, I don't always get to all of your emails all the time, and I share that with you all the time because I still get questions when other emails come in and they said, why haven't you brought up my email? Because I focus on the ones that I see a bit more frequently, and I will answer your email directly back to you. So that will never change. Don't worry about that. But as far as bringing it on the air, uh, if I see that there's a frequency of uh, concerns with other clients or uh, we're starting to find this happen with folks coming into the office, then I'll bring it to your attention. If it's something similar, okay? Triple eight ninety nine retire. Stay with me. I have your next email right after the break. This is Arif Hallaby, your place for news, talk, and information. AM eight seventy is the answer. Hey, listen. Every week at this time, 
We're talking about your family's finances. Stay with me one week from today. We'll be back. But I'm not done. Second hour, second half hour is up right after this. will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. Your place for news, talk, and information. Listen, I want to get into our second email rather quickly because I think you need to have an understanding, if you will of what makes a difference when you are trying to save for retirement. Because so many of you have been conditioned that retirement is about one, maybe two things, right? Two things. If I say retirement income, and you say the first word that comes to mind, some of you will say Social Security, the other one might say pension, right? Those two. I don't think too many of you will say the word rental property, right? I don't think so. For some of you, it has been a godsend. It has been a great way to have comfort, security, peace of mind, right? I think it's a wise move for some or part of your money if that is, if you are so inclined. I'll I'll tell you a quick little story. We talked to a client many years ago, husband, wife, young couple. I like to say a pretty couple, right? Both good looking, fit, that cute, perfect looking kids. You know the people. Make you all sick. <laughs> and I remember sitting there and asking them, okay, tell me about your financial life. We went over some things. What's your career? They have great careers. Uh, and he said, well, Arif, this is what he said. Arif, we have a financial dilemma. I said, great. What, what's that dilemma? So, well, here's my concern. I want to do rental property. I want to have rental property. My parents had rental property. That's how they were able to retire at a young age. It built our family's wealth. I'm very happy about it. I said, okay, it sounds great. Sounds like you should have rental property then. And she said, well, Arif, let me tell you my story. My mom and dad had a bunch of rental property. They lost their shirt, lost everything, and it made it so that my entire childhood was nothing but financial pain because my parents kept telling the story over and over again, never have rental property. So here's husband and wife, two kids, pretty couple, And I said, well, let me explain. And I went through the math and I said, well, if you do it right, there's some ways to do it and on and on. Went through this whole little little spiel, right? Uh It's it's a way to have a conversation about how and why and what that looks like. Well, guess what happened? They come back in three weeks, maybe two weeks later. And I say, okay, great. What did you guys decide? How, How much of your financial planning do you want me to do with, help you with? You know, we have stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Back then we did all the crazy risk stuff. This is probably 20 years ago. And he said, Arif, let me explain a couple of things. Number one is I like to be married. I'm like, okay. Number two is my wife's threatened me and said, if I were to buy rental property, she would leave me. So do you see how it's the exact same thing? 
But one side looks at it as a sense of insecurity. The other side looks at it as a sense of success, security, comfort, providing for him and his family. Which one is right? Well, the answer is both of them. Because the point of view from one is the same as the point of view from the other, meaning to them it's real, to them it's the truth. So I want you to understand this because I think you have to you know, come to grips with the fact that just because something makes sense with math, it doesn't mean it makes sense for you, right? Math doesn't have any feelings, emotions, history, biases. Uh, math is just math. One plus one is two, regardless of what the left will tell you. It's not a racist thing. Math, believe it or not, is just math, right? It has nothing to do with some historical uh, right we're trying to wrong or wrong we're trying to right or you know, none of that. It's just math. So I need you to understand that because I'm going to share with you a story with folks that had some great success with rental properties. This is their email. But if you're if you're from the, the, the point of view of the lady where it ruined her family's finances and her parents could never retire and they made understand that that's okay. It's not something you have to do. But I do think you need to also understand something else. Your brother-in-law, your cousin, your mother, you, whatever dumb decisions they made because they, they're human beings, they're going to make dumb decisions, doesn't mean you have to make the same ones. Oh, well, it can't be done, right? Remember the four-minute mile? Can't be done. Why? Because that guy couldn't do it. Oh, then it can't be done. Well, just kind of think twice about this. Just because somebody else couldn't do it doesn't mean you can't. However, I do understand there's emotional components. You're not willing to learn. There's a psychological block. I get it. I took Psych 101 in college. I understand. We started with the I. Remember that? Psych 101. I'm not sure why we started with the I, but we did. And you go through the physiological properties of the eyeball, and uh, and then you do the rest of psychology. I think because what you see is your truth, right? Even though I believe there's universal truths, I'm not running the country or the world at the moment, so otherwise I'd run it differently. All right, very important. This is Ellen and Stephen. All right, let's hear what they have to say. Dear Arif, my husband and I have worked for decades but have put very much uh, but but have not put very much into the social security system most of that time that we were working was spent running our own business throughout the years we bought many rental properties and now they have been paid off the total income we receive each month from those properties is around $16,000 a month that's pretty good it's great actually because we had to count on ourselves we also saved money in the stock market and in our savings accounts let me pause for a minute there. I want to pause there. Think of it like this. You understand when you have a small business and you are declaring your income, often small businesses will deduct their expenses before they declare their income. The things that they would write off as their expenses that they use for business, like their car, car insurance, cell phone, some meals, traveling, all of those are business expenses, which means you pay for them with pre 
tax money. So you make $1,000, you spend $600 on expenses, you pay tax on 400 bucks. An employee that goes to work at a normal job makes $1,000, pays tax on $1,000, whatever they have left, that's how they buy their gas, their meals, shopping, whatever it is that they spend money on, cell phone. Okay, so this couple had a business in which by the time things were done, they spent a lot of money prior to paying taxes on it. And because the money that you pay taxes on, that is what you get Social Security income on. So even if you make $10,000 in a month, by the time you have all of your write-offs, if you only have $2,000 left, you only receive Social Security credits based on $2,000, not the ten. So in their particular case, they may have had a lot of money, but by the time they paid off all the business expenses, they were left with a lot less. All right. So we also saved money in the stock market and in our savings account. Continuing. We have lost a lot of money in the market. Even though we told our advisor over and over to sell, by the time he did sell, we were down 25%. All right, guys, I can't tell you how many times I hear this. I hear this over and over. We called our advisor. He made me feel stupid, so I didn't sell. We called our advisor. He got mad at me. This just happened the other day. Got mad at me, so I didn't sell. And then it went down another 20%, another 5%, another 10%. Right? You understand your advisor is working at a job because he didn't save the kind of money that you saved. (laughs) You understand that? Your advisor's working at a job, not because he's a bad person, but because he only gets paid if you keep your money at risk. So Wall Street makes a living when you have your money at risk of being lost. If your money is safe, protected, away from risk, right? Money, market accounts, savings, CD. Sorry, no commission to be had. So when you call and talk to your broker, and maybe you're the fifth call today that says, I want to sell. When you tell your broker to sell, do you understand what he hears? My kids don't eat today. When you talk to your broker and you say, I want to sell, he hears, I can't pay my house payment. So of course he's going to be angry with you. Of course he's going to be pressuring you. Okay, so I don't mean he's a bad person. He wants to protect his family. I would expect that. But I think you have to realize to yourself, right, there's a reason that they just let it continue to drop. And they've all been trained. I know I was trained that way 27 years ago, right? We were all trained that. We said, oh, don't worry here. Uh, Page seven. Uh, Sorry, Mrs. Jones, the market will eventually go up. Uh, uh, Page nine. Uh, I understand your concerns. Uh, 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 Mrs. Uh, Insert name here. Yeah, Mrs. Smith. But... Everybody loses money sometimes. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Uh, uh, Just keep buying. This is a buying opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's page 47. Buying opportunity. Don't forget that. I mean, right? That's what they say. I can give you a list of them. It's a whole list of them. Okay. Continue with uh, Ellen and Steve. So uh, here's Ellen. They were down 25%. 
we salvaged what we could, and we have about $500,000 left to be used for retirement income. Since we cannot count on the federal and state government to not pass another law allowing people to not pay their rents again, we need a backup plan. When President Biden and Governor Newsom told people they did not have to pay those rents, we lost almost $100,000. Is there any way for us to, to use non-IRA money to build an income stream? We need no more than about $10,000 a month to live, but we still have expenses on the properties. Okay. Pretty important. I like this. That's uh, Ellen and Steve. They have great income when they do have income from their rental property. Sounds like it's in California, in the state of California, because other states didn't play the same game. Some states said, though, well, that's nice that the president said you don't have to pay, but he's not a king. He's not a dictator. He can't tell you to break a law. The president can't tell you, sorry, you don't have to pay taxes. Right? (laughs) He can't do that. Sorry, you don't have to pay rents. Sorry, you can steal from Mrs. Jones. Hi, sorry, you can go over there to that grocery store. Yeah, take what you want. The governor can't say that. Well, you know, they understand a pandemic. Okay, yeah, that's right. Maybe if you didn't create the problem, you wouldn't have to try to solve the problem on the backs of those with rental properties. Just saying. So Governor Newsom told people they didn't have to pay those rents, and they lost $100,000. So I understand, guys. Ellen, Steve, your goal is to, yeah, 10000 a month, that's today's money. You have a very small amount from Social Security. You told me what it was. It's, it's pretty small. I mean, it's 800 and $1,000. So $1,800 a month, it's not enough to, to live on by any means. So what do you do? Well, I would take that $500,000. i would want you to consider using a, what's called a laddering approach. When it comes to fixed indexed annuities, which go up when the market goes up, You get some or maybe even most of the gains. If the market goes down, you're flat. You stay the same. You don't go backwards. What's the catch? Well, there's a couple of catches. Catch number one, you're probably never going to make more than around 15, maybe 18%. You have a cap on the top. Realistically, you're going to be somewhere between probably 4 and 8% a year. Some years will be zero because you have a cap on the bottom, Some could be as high as 15, so you'll be between 0 and 15%. 0 to 15, up, down, up, down. Realistically, you're never going to lose. Whatever interest is credited is yours. So that means when I say up, down, I don't mean their balance goes up, down. I mean some years you might earn 4, some 0, some 10, some 5, some 9, some 2. But whenever you earn interest, it's always new money. Now, I'm going to say that again. Whenever you earn interest, it's always new money. So initially, you might say, yeah, no, no, no. You understand what happens? Right now, they took money from you, and then they give you money back. And then they take money from you, and they give it back, right? Your 100000 goes up to 120 and you say, look, I made 120 And then it goes down to 80 and you say, uh-oh, I lost money. But hey, man, the broker said, don't leave. Stay with it. You're in it for the long haul. Okay, got it. And then the 80 goes to 90, and your broker says, look, you made 10000 And you say, but wait, wait a second. Didn't you tell me that that 120000 was mine? 
Because that was like a couple years ago. You said, oh, the 120 is yours. I remember. You said, you have 120,000 in the account. I remember you said that. Okay. So 120,000. So now you say I have $120,000 in my account, but it went backwards. So how did I go backwards? Ah, yeah, risk, the market, China, Trump, got it. Biden, Putin, got it. So can you explain to me then, where's the rest of my money? And when you gave me $10,000 back, uh, wasn't that my own money back? I think you guys should be asking these questions, guys. Okay, so Ellen and Steve, you guys don't need any more than $10,000 a month to live. But yes, there's going to be expenses, property taxes, other things on the property. I get it. And you need to pay those things. So what's the reason? Well, it's simple. We want to have a protection mechanism in place. So I would split up the $500,000, one for a medium income plan, maybe you know five years from now, let's say. And then a long-term plan, 10 years, 12 years, whatever from now. Sometime from now, I would have a plan B. Right? Just in case there's another problem in the economy, just in case people don't pay rents, or you're going to have to back down the rents. Right? Maybe there's a time when you have to say, well, we were getting whatever, $2,500 a month for this place. Now we have to get $2,200. Okay. You have to plan for that. You got to be able to absorb that. So by building a medium and a long-term plan, we can flip a switch and start an income stream from non-real estate-related assets. Okay. Have you thought about, and look, by the way, we're going to work with your CPA, your tax preparer, your, your enrolled agent. That's our job is to work with somebody who understands the tax story because I want you to consider using an LLC, which is a limited liability company, or an S-Corp for your properties. Is one right? wrong? I don't know. One of them could be the right answer. That's what a good CPA will, will tell you. Because if you do that, then the shares inside of that, of the LLC, the shares inside of that S-Corp will belong to your living trust, your revocable living trust. Because if you have the real estate inside of your trust, then guess what? Surprise, no probate. Oh, that sounds fun. What is probate? Well, probate means the court, a judge, and a trustee, many other people, other people than, <laughs> that don't like you and know you, they don't care about you, really. Other people's job is to decide what you probably wanted to do with your property. So there's court proceedings. The judge gets involved. The court gets involved. They have to ask people. They, put in, uh, they make your entire life, uh, financially speaking, public. Right? Remember when Prince died? Michael Jackson? Uh, both of those guys had a lot of money. They could have created a little a living trust that might have been two or three or five thousand dollars. Maybe because they might have been complicated people. Ooh, ten thousand dollars. They could have created an awesome living trust. Instead, their entire life was made public in the newspaper, financially speaking. How much do they owe? What do they own? Whose life, uh, who's the beneficiary? Who could potentially be the Everybody comes out and still, I remember, people are still Elvis Presley's kids, right? Remember that? Remember that? Yeah, yeah, he's my dad. Uncle promised me. And then when Frank Sinatra died, remember that? Private. 
everything he has, who he owed money to or owed money to him, how many assets, properties, all that, private, simple, a couple little proceedings done, right? So a living trust has anonymity. It avoids probate fees. So make sure you guys consider a living trust. Now, you do, listen, folks, you don't have to have 8 or 10 or 20 properties to do this. You have one. One piece of land in the middle of Mojave, you need a trust. One little vacation house up in Lake Arrowhead, 800 square feet, you need a living trust. A home in West LA, trust. Valley, trust. Doesn't matter. You need a living trust. What you should pay for that, if it's a simple trust, husband, wife, two kids, a house, a dog, whatever, one or two properties, maybe $2,500. And I'm talking, that is a specialist. If somebody charges you more than three or 4000 maybe even 3200 that's the math. Somebody charges you more than that, it's usually because it's not what they do. So what they are doing is they go out and hire an attorney that costs them 2000 bucks. They charge you four, they give that guy two, and they keep two. Instead, I want you to go directly to the professional, and maybe you'll spend 2500 because it's not a wholesale price. But I had a husband and wife with two kids and one house in the valley. Hey, Eric, if we did our trust, it was $6,000. I'm like, what? Oh, oh, folks, by the way, this is six, seven years ago. I go, what do you mean $6,000? What do you have? Do you have houses in foreign countries? Do you have real estate in other states? Uh, special needs children? Nope, 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 nope. So what is the deal? And while I was there, the mail came. I was at their home and they, they opened the mail. He goes, oh, look, check it out. We have another bill. He wanted to charge us another 1200 bucks. I'm like, um, no. Somehow you have to have a conversation with him and say, oh, heck no. We are not going to be paying anything of the sort. Okay, very important. You understand that, guys. Living trust. Now, maybe in Stephen Ellen's case, maybe they have a lot of properties, so there's going to be deeds that need to be filed in other states, other counties. I get it. You can always give us a call. I'll let you know if I think it's within the ballpark or if you're being taken advantage of. That $6,000 for a simple trust that at the time was going for $1,500 uh, was a, a ripoff times 10. All right? So make sure you, you're, you're careful. I like the idea of having an LLC or an S-Corp. My reason for that is to avoid certain payroll taxes, right? Depending on how you take the income, working with your CPA. That's what we do, guys. That's what we do for our clients. So if you choose to become a client, you step into our office, we can help you. There's no fee. There's no monthly fee, quarterly fee, annual fee, nothing like that. We are paid because the company is going to make more than it gives you. They have a profit built in to pay us no matter what. Okay, so we are always going to be paid. There are financial professionals that might find ways to charge you for your account and then over here, then get paid behind the scenes. Whatever they do, that's not what we do. Go ahead. So that's not what we do. Uh, okay, listen, I mentioned that before. 
the conversation that you have with your CPA, your tax professional, is about you making sure you don't go backwards with your money. Now, their job is to not go backwards with your money when by charging more taxes, paying more taxes, than you should. Pay what you owe. Find legal ways to avoid paying. I'm with that. But you trust the tax advisor, the tax professional, to give you advice. I know this is going to sound shocking, but on taxes. All right? The conversation that you should have regarding probate, avoidance of probate, that's the attorney. That's the professional there. That's the person whose job it is, is to keep you out of legal jeopardy. All right? So they each have a different role to play. I don't want you to fall down the road where you say, hey, now I'm financially in trouble, so I'm going to go to the wrong person. That's not the job of it. Right? Each person is a little different. They each have a different role. Our job uh, in that triangle, right, where you're in the center, our job is all three of us is to protect you. Our job is reliable retirement income that never goes backwards. And like Steve and Ellen, a backup plan. And many of you, and maybe in their case too, a second opinion. How do we make sure we don't have to worry about somebody giving you a permission or, or even a conversation about running out of money? That's never going to happen with us. Right, we're here for you. Triple eight ninety nine retire. I'm Eric Hallaby, your place for news, talk, and information. This is AM eight seventy. The answer. Have a blessed day. Learn from Learn about financial power. Total financial hour. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.